you ready? Welcome to another episode of Buff in the Rough. Today we're going to talk to Nicole Merkel about her experiences in the hound hauling business. Help me welcome Nicole Merkel to the program. Well, hey, Nicole, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Mr. Sam. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. I really appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us today. I think everybody's going to find you very interesting. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on today. It's an honor. Well, well, Nicole, for those that may not know you, could you tell us just a little bit about yourself? And that can be uh, related to today's topic, which we're going to talk about uh, hound hauling and, and your business, the canine transporter. So it can be that, or it can just be, you know, your personal stuff too, what what you do outside of, of work. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, so I am a licensed veterinary technician of 12 years. I managed a couple of vet hospitals, and I taught at <clears throat> the college I graduated from before I started my company six years ago. I originally started as just uh, the dog transporter and then um, turned it into the canine transporter LLC this last um, March. So um, <clears throat> I've been doing it for quite some time now. Um, as far as me outside of work, uh, I love animals. I coon hunt. Um, I used to rabbit hunt and squirrel hunt too, but mostly just coon hunt. And then, you know, I stay pretty busy with um, transporting now. I'm very, very blessed. Um, and then I also have a son who's almost 17 now. Uh, <clears throat> so I get to spend time with him when I am home. That's always nice. Well, it sounds like you've got a lot to keep you busy. I do, yes, <laughs> I do. Um, and the other thing, too, is I don't just transport, but sometimes I, I raise litters for people. Um, so I may have a female here that has a litter of puppies, you know, just because of my background mm-hmm. in uh, animal medicine or do a lot of AIing and uh, that kind of stuff, too. Oh, cool. Well, I definitely want yeah. to talk about that, too. Um, well, let me ask you kind of in the beginning. So um, I understand that you went to school to become a, a, a vet tech and have been one for a number of years and have uh, a lot of experience uh, even in the ER, and I want to ask you about that too. But what does it take? I mean, what do you study when you go to school? What, what does that look like? Is it like biology, anatomy, chemistry? Uh, what, what does that look like? Uh, yeah, it is some of that. Um, it's, it's typically a two-year program, and now they have it set up where you can either go to college or you can take an online um, college course basically and it's well it's not just one class it's a two-year program um through Penn Foster if you're doing it online I taught at Aguchi Technical College down in uh, Statesboro Georgia for a number of semesters um and and, uh, basically you're going to learn surgical assistant you're going to learn radiograph you're going to learn how to draw blood how to put IV catheters in you have to learn all the medications you have to learn the math for the medications so you can properly dose an animal. It's it's really everything. It's basically all the things that we do in human medicine that is individualized. Like, uh, you know, you have an anesthesiologist and then you have a radiologist. We have to learn all of it. Um, right. And then you're learning it for multiple species, you know, cats, dogs, horses, pigs, sheep. Um, exotic animals, reptiles, birds, all of that. So it's very intense for a two-year program. 
you are definitely learning anatomy and um, some biology. Chemistry is definitely, unfortunately, on there. <laughs> that was one of the classes I absolutely, I don't even know how I passed it, to be honest. Um, it, I mean, I, I passed it with a good grade, but I just felt like I was taking a class in French the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it wasn't my favorite. I love emergency medicine, and I love surgical assisting and things like that. It just keeps you on your toes. So that's basically okay. what you're looking at as far as being a, a licensed tech. And then once you pass all the classes, you go and do usually like internship for so many months. And if you pass your internship, then you can sit for the boards. Um, and that's a, I think it's, I can't remember because I took it so long ago, but I want to say it was like four hours or six hour test. Yeah. And uh, then once you pass it, you have your license and then you just go for continuing education classes every two years, a certain number mm -hmm. of hours uh, to keep your license up basically. I want to call so them. even though I don't really practice anymore, um, mm -hmm. you know, all the time I still keep my license up and I still go to the continuing ed classes. And really I practiced all the way up until this past January, my business just got, you know, so busy that I couldn't really do both. Well, that's a good busy, right? <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> I'm like I said, I'm very blessed. I am. Mm -hmm. Well, Nicole, here's a here's a, a fun fact. So, I'm a chemistry major, at, at, of all things. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how you end up in the hound world and and in chemistry. It, it's crazy. But this is a true story. Kind of a little sidebar. Uh, I've I've seen grown men cry at making a B in chemistry on one of those tests. I was in organic two. And just uh, D was for diploma for me. If I made a D, I was just happy. I just wanted to graduate. <laughs> but these guys, they were so competitive. And I saw a grown man just cry one day. And I was, and it was a guy that was I studied with some. And I was thrilled because I'd made a D. And, and I was like, yeah. buddy, what's wrong? I'd kill to have a, a B. And he said, I'll never get into vet school if I, if oh, I have yeah. Bs. You have to have straight A's. And so he was just torn plumb out of his frame. But it is. Yeah. It's really tough. Well, that's fascinating. Yeah, it is really competitive. So, I remember getting my papers back, and they would have red marker all over <laughs> them. It looked like she just slaughtered somebody on my paper. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and, but I was still passing. I don't know. <laughs> it's a, it's know. a different word. It's a different language. It, it, it has its own little language uh, of sorts. It is. But, uh, but one of the things that I, I was thinking that that you had experience with was working in an er is that true did i read that somewhere so i do have a lot of er hours and i didn't work in an er facility like a only er facility but mm -hmm. the first animal hospital that i worked at for six years and did um i was a, a manager also um we did on-call emergency and so if you know we would see a wide range a wide variety of of emergencies basically and sometimes the way it would work is the the technician like myself I, we would screen the phone calls because you get a lot of nonsense calls that mm -hmm. aren't emergencies but the owners are freaking out mm -hmm. and sometimes you know we would see those emergencies because it made the owner feel better even though like <laughs> I remember seeing some because a puppy was had worms coming out, oh my goodness. <laughs> and that can wait till the next day. It just needs some dewormer, you know. Every mm -hmm. a lot of people realize it. it's not an emergency, but 
you know, when you're dealing with pets, it's a lot different than um, hounds sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so we would we would go in for stuff like that too. But we would also see, you know, stuff that was hit by a car and we would have to get it stabilized and transferred out, you know, all different kinds of stuff that would come in after hours. So I got a lot of experience doing the ER medicine in that manner because mm-hmm. there wasn't very many technicians that were licensed that wanted to come in after hours after they had already worked a full day. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to ask you a little bit about that because I think it's important for folks that are listening. So what are, what's like some of the craziest stuff that you saw like on the ER side? Like, is there anything um, that uh, any just crazy, and it doesn't have to be a hound related necessarily, but, but yeah. what's, what's something crazy that you saw? Um, well, one of my favorite cases that I got to work on was actually a little kitten. It was like a little Persian or something, mm-hmm. and it had uh, really bad anemia. It came in, it was like couldn't stand up. It was basically almost dead. It needed a really mm-hmm. bad, it needed a blood transfusion because it was so anemic. Like the gums were completely white. And um, it was just me and the doctor at the time. And basically, while she was in there with the client, I had to put a jugular catheter in this cat's neck by myself. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It's still one of those moments where you're like, I wonder if I can do this. I Mm -hmm. hope I can do this. And you get it in, you're like, yes, you know. So anyway, we wound up having to sedate a couple of our house cats and blood type them uh, to make sure, you know, they were a match for the kitten. And we finally got one that was. And then I stayed for several hours doing a blood transfusion. And uh, when I got back to work that morning, uh, the little kitten was still alive, and I was like, "Yay!" <laughs> I felt so good for him, you know. Um, That's a trip. There's so many different things that we've seen in emergency medicine. That's just one of those that really stuck out for me because I didn't know if that kitten was going to make it or not, and certainly wasn't going to without a blood transfusion. Mm-hmm. Well, that actually was That's, that was my next question was. Did you ever see something come in that you were like, no way is this thing going to survive? You know, no way is it going to live? And then it did. Oh, yeah. We saw one. There was this beagle. uh, The owners had gone away for the weekend or something. No, it wasn't a beagle. I'm sorry. It was a Westie. It was a Westie. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it had like escaped while the owners were gone. And it, it had broke into their shed that had like a wood pile or something um, that had a wood pile or something on the inside and it fell through the wood pile and it got stuck in there for like three days or something like that until the people came back and found it and he was so dehydrated mm. and I can't remember there was something else that was wrong I think we had maybe he had hurt his head and I think he had like some brain swelling or something we mm. had to give him mannitol IV which was not something you usually like it's not a regular thing that you have to do you know but we mm. got him stabilized and sent him off to the emergency vet in Savannah and then a couple of days later we heard back that he um survived and then he came back in um, maybe a month later for a checkup or something. He was doing great, but when he came in, uh, he looked like he was not going to make it for sure. And uh, but he pulled through. It's amazing how how strong these little guys can be, and having that oh, that will very to live. Resilient. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so that gives us a little background on you and and what you uh, learned in school and experience with ER. 
And now, did you mention also that you managed as well at, at like a vet hospital or? I did. I managed two different hospitals. That first mm-hmm. one I managed, the first practice I worked at for six years, I was a floor manager. So I did a lot of managing and working like a working manager. And I was basically the go between uh, between the kennel assistants and the techs and the doctors um, just to help with like communication and making sure workflow went mm-hmm. better. We also started a computer system that um, allowed us to go chartless or paperless or paper light, I guess, really. And I played a big part in that mm-hmm. um, also because I had worked previously at an urgent care for people and I was part of that process of training and starting them on uh, chartless. Mm-hmm. And so once I got into the vet med side of it, they wanted to use me for that too. So it was me and another girl that basically created our our practices software that we use for chartless. Well, that's just fascinating to me to hear your background, what you went to school for, you come out, you're, you're, you're in the middle of your career. So how does, how in the world do you end up starting a, a transportation business? I mean, how, how do you get from ER and management to, to this? I'll be honest with you. Um, I just felt like it was an area that I could improve for clients. I felt mm-hmm. like some of my closer friends that had um, had animals transported weren't showing up in like the with the best care, and and I just felt like I could raise the bar, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, how does that start? Do you start doing it? part-time in addition to your your other job or did you just you just go out on a limb and say I'm going to try this and I'm you know not looking back um so basically I just was like I don't know if I can really make this work or not Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I'm definitely going to give it a shot and we went on a vacation me and my dad and my son went up to Michigan to visit some family and a friend of mine was like you should this is a great time for you to try transporting you Mm -hmm. know and I thought man that is a great great time so you know I just kind of posted on Facebook hey I'm going in this direction if anybody needs a dog transported I'll have like four available kennels I think Mm -hmm. I can't remember I think I had maybe one or two to haul up on the way from Georgia up to Michigan Mm -hmm. but on the way back I had like five And I was like, wow, (laughs) I paid for my whole vacation. Um, And that was like December of 2017, maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm You know, my dad used to be a truck driver. So we sat down at the table and we were looking at the routes. And I was like, I think this is how we're going to run it, you know, on the way back down. And he was like, well, let me check, make sure you got the fastest way and all that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you got it lined out good. And (laughs) I just remember him being like, wow, I'm just so proud of you because I'm the only girl, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and um, I have two brothers and stuff. But anyway, he was just like, yeah, I think that'll work out good. So it did. And, and that was the first month. And then I just have been every single month since. And that was six years ago. That's a fascinating story. And I love people that, uh, to hear about people that work hard, become successful, especially doing something that you really enjoy doing. So so let's fast forward through the last, what is it, six years, six, seven years now? Yes, 
Um, so what does it look like today? What's different today than it used to be? Like, like I, I, I'm pretty sure you're USDA licensed and insured. Maybe not on that yes. first trip when you're just trying things out. But what does that look like? How do you get that? What does that mean to be licensed and insured? Um, to be licensed and insured. So insurance comes in a lot of different ways. You want to have um, limited liability for your business, um, just like any other business. And then I always have extra car insurance, um, whether it's a rental or my regular insurance. But then I also have, on top of both of those, I have pet insurance that covers the passengers for mm-hmm. certain things while they're riding with me. It doesn't cover like pre- pre-existing conditions and um, certain things, but like if if I were to make a mistake, you know, and got somebody's animal hurt, mm-hmm. it would just cover, you know, it would cover them mm-hmm. for like doctor visits and, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. So it does help. And I believe um, part of the policy does cover like reimbursement for the animal, like if it were to expire or something, okay. um, heaven forbid that ever happens. But, you know, accidents are accidents and things happen that you, you can plan and and definitely I have learned a lot in the last six years as far as, you know, taking my time and making sure I do certain things so that I don't have anything, you know, basically preventing any kind of sure. issue that could happen. Sure. Well, how do you get to be um, USDA licensed? So USDA license is actually not as hard as what some people believe it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you can contact them. They have a 1-800 number. I like to do email or texting because it's just easy for me to keep up with. Um, and they'll email the form, the forms over to you, like the booklet or whatever, and you fill out your information and send it back. <clears throat> they do, like, on-site inspections um, where they just kind of, like, pop by to inspect your equipment, your vehicle or, and, or your kennels. I rent most of the time. So, you know, all the vehicles that I use are new, newer. Um, and then I do have a sprinter van, which I'll be selling. I'll buy a different one, probably a Ford or whatever, but, but if that were here, they would inspect that, you know, mm-hmm. it's not at the shop, but, but it's not, it's not difficult as far okay. as the actual getting the license goes. Mm-hmm. They do have a list of guidelines that you should follow and read and make sure you know that you're keeping up with the animals the temperament how good they're doing when you let them out to go to the bathroom Mm -hmm. feeding watering you know all that kind of stuff they they make it very easy for people as far as keeping up with that they have forms that you can write in you know all that stuff so Mm -hmm. you don't even have to make your own if you don't want to Mm -hmm. in other words you can order them they'll mail them to you so so the vehicles you use, whether it's your own van or you rent a vehicle, are they vans or are they cars? Because I mean, I'm trying to get a visual of what it looks like because I kind of have this idea that there's some kind of kennels inside or crates or something for each each hound. How, how, what does that look yes. like? How does that work? Okay, so um, what that looks like is like when I'm hauling in a Sprinter van or a cargo van, I prefer the passenger vans because it, it gives the AC all the way to the back on those mm. um, cart on those bigger vans, and you you can stack up the kennels, you know, tie them down um, or ratchet strap them down. Some people have them built into their van. Just as really depends on if you're renting or if you own it. Mm-hmm. The way I had my old um, Sprinter van set up is I had three rows of kennels on the driver's side, and it it, it was an old like. 
FedEx, not old, but it had been a FedEx mm-hmm. uh, delivery vehicle. And so it already had metal shelves in there, which made it great for stacking the kennels and mm-hmm. being able to um, drill holes and tie them down and all of that kind of stuff so they couldn't move around. Um, and then we also installed a sink in there, which was one of my favorite mm-hmm. things because I could wash puppies in it mm-hmm. and I was contained inside my van. So I, I don't, I love making new friends, but when I'm on the road, I don't make a lot of new friends in places that I don't have business at. So, um, what I mean by that is like, if I'm delivering for you, then I'm going to have a lot of conversation with you. But when I'm at a gas station, just getting my animals taken care of, you know, you have to be very vigilant about your surroundings sure. and stuff like that. And so that was one thing I liked about the bigger van is that I'm contained inside. I can wash my puppies up before I drop them off because that's a big thing that I like to do, make sure that they're dry, clean, they smell really good before I drop them off. So that was one thing I really liked about the the bigger van. Mm -hmm. And then also the sleeping arrangements, of course, are a lot better in there too. Mm -hmm. I could stretch out. When I first started, I had like a hammock that I tied to the ceiling and that worked out really well for a long time. And then in this other van that I have now had like a mat, basically a sleeping mat mattress kind of folded up, which was really nice. So, but now, right now I, I haul in a minivan. Mm -hmm. And so what that looks like for me is I sleep in the front seat. (laughs) I sleep across the front seats. Basically it's not the most comfortable or ideal sleeping arrangements for myself, but I do not want to get hotel rooms and leave a bunch of dogs in a van unsupervised. I don't like it. Right. Uh, people are very nosy nowadays. If you have some puppies that are screaming, mm-hmm. they're going to call, you know, animal control or something. In the summertime, it's just not a good idea because even on newer vans, the AC can quit working. And if you're not in there, mm-hmm. you don't know that. You mm-hmm. don't know. And I've heard so many horror stories that I just just something that I don't want to chance, you know. Nicole, I, I admire you for a lot of reasons. One is, I can I'm at the age now where I can just sleep in my own bed and wake up and have slept wrong, and my neck's jacked up for like a month or something. I can't imagine sleeping in a in the front of a van across the seats. That's that's dedication. That's that's dedication. But but I I, I think people would really like that. I know I would to 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 know that the that you're right there in the middle of of the dogs in case they ever needed anything. But one of the things you mentioned that I think is really neat is that uh, these vans are air-conditioned uh, and I'm probably heated too, I would assume. Right, that's right. So that's really nice. So when you're traveling, how do you feed? How do you water them? Because these dogs, I guess they all have different needs. The adults may be a little different from the puppies and how often they need attention and to be walked. Uh, uh, how does that work? Um, so I do ha- I do have a couple of different ways that I handle them. Mainly for my puppies, especially the younger puppies, they usually do so much better if they're not fed the day that they're picked up. Mm-hmm. Like, And I know that some people are worried because they think, oh, the dog collar's not going to feed my, my puppy mm-hmm. um, during this trip, so I better make sure he gets plenty of food. But he's riding with me. He's definitely going to get fed. I can't speak for everybody else, but I can speak for myself. If you feed the puppy before I pick it up, he's going to throw up. (laughs) And he'll throw up all the food. And then it kind of starts a cycle of nausea and vomiting for that puppy 
that's harder to break than if he had just gone to ride on an empty stomach. Right. He might drool a little or have a little bit of vomit, but it's not it's not major, you know. And so basically the way it works is for puppies at night when I stop to sleep, I will clean up their kennels and I'll feed them. And I always add water into their food. Mm-hmm. So I make sure that they're getting enough water because sometimes puppies, they want to eat, but they don't want to drink or they want to mm-hmm. drink, but they don't want to eat. So I always add food or water in with their food and then um, they have separate water mm-hmm. at night. So it gives them time to eat and digest their food before I get up in the morning and get back on the road. That is one benefit to having a single driver because mm-hmm. some some companies do team driving and the animals never really get a good break except for you know when you're stopping to get gas or stopping to shower or something and that's really the only break they have um, from moving so it's helpful with the with the puppies the older puppies that are like 16 weeks old four months to six eight months you know right in that time frame when they might be potty trained but they're not maybe or they might not be leash broke you know but they've Mm -hmm. had all their vaccines those i walk them several times a day about five times a day a lot of them they don't want to sit in a nasty mess you know and you'll hear somebody that'll start crying and you you know you got a couple minutes to get pulled over and you know get them out and because sometimes they don't go when you let them out like mm-hmm. you could be standing out there for 30 minutes and you know they're so involved in the different scenery or whatever else is going on mm-hmm. um, that they don't go to the bathroom and then you load them up and they're like oh i, I forgot i have to go <laughs> to the bathroom and they're screaming while you're driving down the interstate <laughs> of course of course so so you, you know, you've been doing. I try to let it up more often. You've been doing this for a while. You've you've delivered uh, over four what forty five hundred five thousand something like that. Yeah, I'm um, probably close to five thousand or a little over that at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that sounds like a lot to me. I have no idea, but that sounds like a lot of a lot of deliveries, a lot of 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 uh, critters being delivered all over the country. And so, yes, sir. How does it work? Yeah, I mean, so so each each uh, dog has its own kennel. Do they? Do you ever okay. share? Everybody's got their own space. Everybody has their own space, unless it's puppies that are coming from the same litter. Okay. So I don't ever mix puppies because um, you can have paperwork all day long that says your puppy is healthy and been vaccinated, and I'm sure it was, but you don't know where that puppy was or where the uh, breeder was or what kind of stuff they had in their yard um and then you mix it in with somebody else's puppy and you can get them sick Mm -hmm. um so i don't mix puppies at all if they come from the same litter i like to ride them together because it is less stressful for them um to have their litter mate with them but other than that than that that's it everybody else has a separate kennel so for me i can haul four adult male coon hounds and six adult female coon hounds at one time and Mm -hmm. then also i can fit up to about seven small puppies like when i say Mm -hmm. small i mean like eight weeks old ten weeks old at one time in a minivan beagles you know depending because i've seen them range all all different sizes you Mm -hmm. know uh you have like the the foxhound beagles that are mixed Mm -hmm. um and then you have the like real short but the real fat beagles that they have to go in a medium kennel anyway because they're so wide. Um, they're not going to fit. <laughs> I have been in a smaller kennel. And then 
and then you have the beagles that are real petite and you mm-hmm. know so it just depends on what size they are i can haul you know about the same but at any time i can have up to 17 on my van and sometimes more if i have little puppies that are all mm-hmm. riding together you know well nicole so you're based in in georgia that's correct. Is that correct? So how do you, how does it work? Do you have like a regular route? Do you have certain places you go, certain regions? Or are there parts of the country you don't go? Is there anything, you know, how does that work? Do you have a, a schedule that you publish? or? Um, so I do. I post on Facebook. Facebook is a huge part of my business as far mm-hmm. as um, advertising and finding new clients or even just getting my schedule out there for my existing clients. I go every month. I do try to go about the beginning of the month every month, because sometimes that doesn't work out depending on, you know, what larger hunts are that Mm -hmm. we're going to. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I have to leave a little bit later in the month. But basically, I cover from Georgia, Florida, all the way up the East Coast, Pennsylvania. I do go into New Jersey and New York, Mm -hmm. um, but... You know, the pricing is a little bit different for those areas. And then I cut across the top states. I go into Michigan, but only into the lower peninsula. Mm-hmm. Um, I do cover Wisconsin, Minnesota, and then I will go as far as, like, Nebraska, Kansas, Texas, sometimes the east side of New Mexico. But that's really it. I don't cover mm-hmm. generally. I have been to Colorado before because a guy bought his um, boy a Christmas puppy and um, so I did haul that one year and it was beautiful out there but I just don't <laughs> have enough business to make it worth driving mm-hmm. that far west and so you know the cost for somebody to hire me to go that way it's just a lot more and there are other transporters that do go that are probably more reasonable um, as, you know because they have a bigger clientele over that way Sure. Um, I do have somebody that I refer to that goes to California. So I have, I can cover California, Arizona, Nevada, mm-hmm. New Mexico as well. And I, but I don't do that personally. So, so I decide that uh, I want to buy a puppy from Michigan, lower, the, the lower part. And I've, I, I figure out when you're going to be making that trip. I see you, see you on Facebook. I contact you. You pick it up. And you and you bring it down here. So, how do you communicate? Do you give updates? Do you, hey, when you get there, you snap a picture? Because everything's easier today. There's there's so many ways to communicate. But for the worry warts out there, the ones that are worried about that little puppy making it across the country, or maybe they paid you know fifteen twenty grand for that coonhound, and they want to make sure he gets here in one piece. You know how right. how does that work? Communication. Um, so I do a lot of texting. I prefer texting because I do talk to a lot of different people mm-hmm. and it's easier for me to keep up with our conversation as far as, you know, where your pup is, which one it is and where it's going and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I always say, um, no news is good news for me. I mm-hmm. do updating as far as when I'm going to arrive and if I have any issues, um, like if I have a flat tire or if your puppy is very sick and needs vet attention instead of just, you know, regular meds for nausea or whatever, then you'll be hearing from me. And I always tell people, you are more than welcome to message me and ask for an update anytime. And as Mm -hmm. soon as it's safe for me to answer, I will. And that way, you know, and I just say, you know, try not to message me between 11 p.m. and 6 in the morning because (laughs) at some point in that time frame, I'll be sleeping. 
not the whole time, but somewhere in that time frame, I will be sleeping in. Mm-hmm. But that's how it works for me. I can send picture updates if they ask, if they ask mm-hmm. for a video update, I'll send it when I get stopped again and let their dog back out to go to mm-hmm. the bathroom. Um, some people want a picture when I get it picked up to make sure it's the right one. You know, everybody's a little different. So I accommodate most any of that kind of stuff. I do offer GPS tracking if it's, um, something they absolutely want. It's not something I'm really big on, um, just because most people don't understand what a route looks like and why, you know, you're zigzagging through a couple different states to get animals picked up and dropped off, you know, and that kind of thing. They only have to worry about the one that they have. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about all of them that are scheduled. So <laughs> I do offer it, but it's not something that I, you know, that I just do regularly, if that makes sense. Oh, sure. Well, I, I, I wanted to ask you a few more things as we wrap up, but I don't expect you to share pricing because, for one, hopefully people will be listening to this for the next two or three years and, 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 and going back and referencing this, and I know your pricing will change over time. But what does pricing look like? How is that built? Is it... Is it on a? Is it per mile? Is it? I mean, how, how does that work? Well, I think everybody runs um, that part of their business differently. It just mm-hmm. depends on, you know, some people do charge by mile. Some people charge per animal. Mm-hmm. For me, I charge per animal for most things, and then um, some pricing is based on location like I charge more for Miami Florida because it's all the way at the bottom of Florida mm-hmm. and I'm maybe only have one thing going down there or New York I charge more for New York because gas prices are higher their tolls are outrageous and it's also the edge of where I'm going to go mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. if somebody wants to pay me to go to Connecticut or Massachusetts or somewhere that's even further then, you know, I have to sit down and figure out how much time is this going to cost me off my route while everybody's riding. So, you know, that's longer that I have the rental for, longer time that I have to take care of these other animals for, plus the gas and, you know, those kind of things too. So Mm -hmm. it's usually a flat rate for most of the places that I cover. Um, And then if you're getting multiples, I do discount the second and third animal, you know, Mm -hmm. and then, People just have to decide if they feel like it's worth it for them. Most mm-hmm. of the time, my pricing is worth it by the time you look at how long it's going to take you to drive there and back. Mm-hmm. The gas, if you're using your own vehicle or if you're renting, most people have to get a hotel because they're not going to drive past, you know, eight hours mm-hmm. in one setting. And then, you know, your food and stuff like that that you would have um, bought while you're traveling because people love to eat while they travel. Sure. So. You know, it's just, it can get, it can rack up a lot faster than just, oh, it's only a five hour trip there right. or, you know, six hour trip there. And you, well, you have to drive back too. <laughs> That's right. And then you have to take the day off of work or, you know, your mm-hmm. weekend or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's an, definitely affordable, but it is also a luxury business. So when the economy isn't doing good and people don't have the extra money, mm-hmm. you know, it's you can definitely feel it in the business side of it versus when the economy's doing great and everybody has plenty of money and, you know, mm-hmm. same mm-hmm. with puppy sales, you sure, know, sure. the breeders are going to feel it because the puppies are still going to be there. This is perhaps the most important question of all, but what, what kind of coonhound do you have? Or, or do you, or, or do <laughs> I you prefer? English. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Now, yeah, do you, do you like the, the red ones or the blue ones or, or does it matter or? Um, I actually really like the tricolor. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. I started out with blue ticks, and I just couldn't 
find one that I that was what I wanted, and then I got into English and uh, have never looked back. Wow! Any particular bloodline or? Um, I really like the Loudmouth Jr. bloodline. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Cracker Jack is ranked number one. I think Jr. was ranked number three for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of offspring off him that are winning big in a lot of hunts. You know, UKC, PKC. And just the litters that I raise off of that bloodline are so much more bold and um, independent mm-hmm. than other breeds that I've had. I think as long as I can always find that bloodline, I'll keep it. Well, this is a true story. I, I'm a red bone guy. I love red dogs. But the best dog, and, and I know people would probably expect me to call out some kind of walker dog, is the best dog I've ever hunted with. And, <laughs> and I have been very fortunate to hunt with everything. I've hunted with about anything you could hunt with. The best young hound I've ever hunted with in my life, and this is this is when I was, uh, it's been a long time ago, he, it was a red, uh, red tick male, an English hound, out of Bullard's Captain Cool. I don't know if you ever heard of that hound. He was really... Bullard's hitting that's old school now it's going back a long time and and he was really popular especially down here in the Carolinas and and that young hound never saw that I know of uh, a competition hunt in his life this pleasure hunter had him that was the best hound I think complete most complete hound I've ever been with and he was so loud that it would make your ears ring it, it really hurt your ears to go get him off the tree just a fantastic young young dog but that's my yeah. that's my one uh, English story for the for the day. Well, I remember when I first started transporting. I had only been going for a couple months, I think, at this point, and I had hauled, you know, some coon hounds, some beagles, and um, some curvice, you know. And I remember I had this puppy on there for um, Johnny Avilas out of Missouri, <laughs> and that sucker was so loud when he <laughs> screamed in the van. I was like holy cow what is this dog off of like he, because and it, you know he was just screaming because he just he wanted to play he wanted to be out yeah. you know how coon hounds are they're mouthy oh yeah and he was so loud that was when i first started i was like i gotta do something because i can't handle this um and i started wearing earplugs <laughs> <laughs> that that's the, that was the puppy that taught me uh you better keep <laughs> earplugs in your van all the time because he was it was just ungodly loud in there well, Nicole, I'm going to wrap up with maybe one or two questions. And, and this is this first one is, why should people choose you? You know, out of all the, out of all the uh, delivery services out there, what, what really, if you could boil it down to just a, a few things, why should they have you uh, at least on their list, but, but preferably at the top of their list of folks to call when they're wanting uh, somebody to deliver a puppy or a dog for them? Well, that's a great question. I think um, if I were going to choose me, it would be because, number one, I'm extremely honest. Um, so if I pick up your dog and it doesn't look good, you're going to get you're going to hear from me about it. If I have any issues with your dog while we're riding, you're going to hear about it. But also because I am very qualified in animal care, probably overqualified. And so I'm going to pay attention to... Uh, everything that's going on with your with your pet while it's riding with me, but also if there is a problem, most of the time I can handle it myself, mm-hmm. um, or I can call one of the veterinarians that I have on on my call list, you know, to get help with something if there if there was an issue. But I feel like you know my animal care is going to be 
number one. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, I, I, I think I definitely would hire you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, well, thank you again so much uh, for spending time with us. But, but for someone who is trying to reach out or wants to find you, you mentioned Facebook. Is that the best way for folks to it contact is, you? Um, okay. My Facebook ad uh, has my phone number and my cell phone directly on there. Um, I'm not sure if my Facebook profile lists my phone number, but it's always on uh, my post. But Facebook is the easiest way to find me on there. And, and what would, I do what post would, in a lot of the groups. What would people search? Do they search your name? Do they search uh, the canine transporter? What, how do they find you there? Um, they would just search my name, which is Nicole Merkel, and my last name is kind of um, unique or whatever, but it's uh, M-Y-R-K-L-E is my last name, but I do post a lot in all of the different coonhound groups um, and beagle groups and stuff like mm-hmm. that, so it's usually pretty easy to find my phone number. Well, very good, Nicole. It's been a pleasure talking to you, learning more about your business and, uh, and and hearing your story, and I really appreciate you taking the time uh, out of your day to talk to us. Thank you for having me on here. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Buff in the Rough, and remember to like and subscribe if you want to be notified when we have new content available. And please send comments and suggestions to buffintheruff at gmail.com.